Jesus Christ is the ultimate servant leader. And you know, servant leadership has become uh, sort of something that's chic nowadays. A lot of big businesses are using servant leadership and uh, uh, some of the CEOs are becoming gurus at servant leadership. But I wonder if the heart is really there. Does that make sense? Uh, Servant leadership is something that Jesus modeled to us and it's how we are to lead in the church. Uh, I, I, I wonder if a lot of times, even in the church, we kind of mess that up. We misconstrue what that really means. And so we spent a few weeks talking about what it means to be a servant leader. And uh, this week, we're going to continue to do that. Um, I wanted to go over the last three biblical principles of a servant leader, but I got stuck on number five. So hopefully, you're okay that I got stuck on number five. That's a four, but my hand had a, my hand had a, a lid in it, so five. I got stuck on number five, and bear with me as we go over number five. But I wanted to start by saying this. I am not a big fan of feet. Who likes feet? Raise your hand if you're a fan of feet. One of you is brave enough to say I like feet. Two of you, <laughs> right on. I, I, I have never been a big fan of feet. Um, I'm considering taking off my shoes. I'm gonna do it. They don't smell. Um, yeah, well, don't be in the front row. The front row is the splash zone and the smell zone. I spit. Um, not a big fan of the feet, and let me tell you why. I didn't grow up hating feet. I was forced into hating feet by the United States Navy. When you live on board a ship for six months at a time with other stinky men and you sleep in bunks that are three high and you have the middle bunk and there's no escape so so in the middle bunk you just picture this it's not like a bunk bed in your house where you've got you know kids sleeping one on top of another and then you can get out of either side this is a steel bunk that you go in and you can't get out except for through the curtain right I don't know if I need some new batteries, but we'll, we'll figure it out. So, so here I am in the middle bunk on the USS America. I've got my curtain drawn because they, they give you a nice little light in there. There's about, I don't know, maybe this much room to sleep in. So you're laying on your back. They call it the coffin because it looks like a coffin and kind of feels like a coffin. So you're laying on your back. And, and your curtain is drawn, your light, and I had a CD player, and I, and I like to read books, and so I would listen to CDs, I would read books, and then it happened. The gentleman, and I use the term lightly, who wanted to get onto his bunk that was above mine decided he was going to do that right when I was looking and I saw his foot come through the curtain and he's standing on my mattress. And it was, I have really long toes. Anybody have really long toes? We're just being real here, we're just getting real. I am able to pick things up with my toes. When I clean the house, and there's things that aren't too heavy, I will grab them with my toes and pick, right? Come on, come on, you guys. This is, we're family, right? So I'm picking things up with my toes, uh, occasionally, I go in the backyard and I swing with my toes. Just kidding. Uh, if you saw the Lost Boys in the 80s, that, that was me. I was hanging, right? So this gentleman had fingers for toes. 
and his feet came into the curtain, and I thought they were going to hit my face, and they were wet. And in that moment, I began to hate feet. Fast forward years later, I'm at Camp Cedarcrest with our young men. I'm their cabin leader, and uh, they are well aware that they are to use the ladder on the bunk bed to get up to their bunk bed and not use their wet, stinky feet on my mattress to get onto the top bunk, right? Sounds familiar. So I got the young men, those of you who might know a couple of them, Jake and Clay Neri, Ryan Stevens-Pester. You know, these are the kids, these are the young men who gave me a really difficult time as a youth pastor. I love them to death and they're all doing great, but boy, did they challenge me. And so they would step on my bunk and I would have a fit. I would tell them how much I hate feet and then they would go up the ladder to get on their bunk. So I thought. So throughout the whole time, we had discussions about feet. Please do not put your feet on my bunk. Please do not put your feet. And of course, the first night they're putting their feet on my bunk. Oh, it's funny. And then it wasn't funny anymore. Touch my bunk with your feet and I will put you out in the snow. Absolutely right? I will lock the doors. So we get through camp. We come home. We're having youth group on a Wednesday night. Everybody's happy until the video starts playing. Video. I love video. I'm like, what is this video? Just wait. Video's playing. I'm watching it. And one by one, every young man in the cabin opened up my pillowcase and stuck their feet on my pillow where they're like, yeah, yeah, Jeff, you hate feet, <laughs> And I was mortified because I slept on that pillow all week long. I hate feet. They stink. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, everything led to this moment. One last time, the men he'd been with for his entire ministry gathered for one final moment of teaching. And what he taught them that night would change the world and would change the church forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. May we be attentive to what you have to say. Lord, you have completely flipped the script on us. What's up is down. What's right is left. Lord, it seems like everything is turned on its head because of you. May we understand that as best we can today and walk out of here with the knowledge of what you've called us to be, who you've called us to be, and what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this one last time to impart wisdom for their life to come. So how many of you have ever been with someone on their deathbed that you really admired? Anybody? Yeah. And more than likely in that moment, they weren't taking an opportunity to tell you all the things that you've done wrong, right? They weren't, hopefully, hopefully they weren't taking the time to talk about things that are really unimportant, hopefully. Hopefully in that time, they were taking time to say, these are the things that matter most. 
I know for a lot of us, our, our, our biggest thing in life is we regret that, um, you know, we were able to talk to people who were at the end of their life and we weren't able to say things that we wanted to say during their life. And, and those moments were saved for that moment. But that's just how it works sometimes. And I'm so grateful and glad that we have had some moments with people. I've had some moments with people, for instance, my mom, that I'll never forget. And, and when I was with my mom, as she was literally dying in my hands, I could feel her heart getting weaker and weaker. Here's what she didn't say. Do you have clean underwear on? <laughs> Is your room clean? Did you listen to your dad today? She didn't say any of those things. She just said, I want you here. And when my wife got ready to go, for, go to work, my, my mom didn't call her back and say, be good to my husband or make sure you raise my grandbabies right. She just said, I love you. She taught the things, she said the things that were most important in that moment. Jesus knew that this was his last opportunity before his earthly ministry would be over. And so the words that he spoke and the actions that he took are very important for us to be mindful of because this represents the most important thing to him in that moment. So what was the, what was the last thing he did? He showed him how to cast out demons. No, he didn't. He did not. In that last moment, he showed them how to intercede on behalf of the people so that they'd be set free. He didn't. He showed them how to be a courageous leader so that they could change the world. No. He talked about the loaves and fishes and said, guys, remember, there's a, there's a process for that and we gotta make sure that we, you know, if, bring people together and divide the loaves perfectly. And the, no, he didn't say anything about that. Don't forget how to bring people back to life. It was a really cool thing I did and I wanna make sure you guys carry that on. Don't forget how to pray for the sick, for their healing. Hey guys, it's all about signs and wonders. Make sure that you're always prepared with a sign or a wonder. Lead, lead, lead. Great leaders is what this world needs, guys. He didn't say any of that. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 13. This was what he did. These were his dying words. This was what was most important to him going to the cross. 13.1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come to God and was going back to God, come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside 
his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, well, then, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, the, the one who, ha who has uh, bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And he washed their feet. And he put on his outer garment and resumed his place and said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, for is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. At the end of his ministry, at the end of his life, the thing that he was most wanting the disciples to know was humility. The thing that he was most wanting his disciples to know was serving. He flipped the script once again. So the number five biblical example of a servant leader or quality of a servant leader is this. Servant leaders take up Jesus's towel of servanthood to meet the needs of others. So you're like, well, I don't really understand the significance of washing feet. In, in that time, I know we've shared this before, but in that time, everybody walked everywhere. There were, uh, you know, you didn't take a car. You know, very few people rode on the back of animals and carts and things like that. And so people would walk through the town, which was filled with dirt roads, with their sandals. And so their feet, every single day, would get dirty. So just like that guy in the Navy who would put on his really, you know, dirty boots and go to work and then take them off and not take a shower and then jump up in the bunk and on, on top of mine, his feet were dirty. His feet were filthy. And so every day, people's feet got dirty. And so when you would come to dinner, you know, they didn't sit at a bistro-style table. You know, it wasn't high off the ground. You sat like a you know, buffalo wild wings. You kind of sit up a little high. Like, what you did is you reclined on some pillows around a table that was really, really low. And, and so you're reclining and you're, and you're chilling out and you're like this and your feet are near the table. So your dirty, nasty feet are like almost touching the food. So what was customary was before you would do that, you would walk in, you take off your sandals 
And the lowest of the low servants, the person who was of no reputation whatsoever, more than likely they didn't even look at that person, acknowledge that they were there. They would just put their feet or sit down and give them their feet and they would have their feet washed. How many of you have um, seen the resurgence of, of, what is it called, like a valet in the bathroom? Have you seen that? Have you seen the resurgence of that? Like that's coming back. Like you go to some of the fancy casinos and you walk in and there's a guy standing there and he's got his arms folded in front of him and you, lock, you walk in and you're like, whoa, there's a dude in here like hanging out. What's up? And he's there to give you like a comb or some paper towels or a mint or something like that. And, and, and I've seen people walk in there and see that person and take what they have and walk out and not even say a word to them. Almost like you're not there. Like you're a fixture of this bathroom. You have the same significance as the sink. You have the same significance as the toilet, the, the toilet paper or the paper towel dispenser or whatever else is an appliance or whatever else is in the bathroom. Some people look at, at people who are there as you are on the same level. I use the toilet. I use you to dry my hands. And, and I want you to get a picture of the servant who was there to wash people's feet had that significance. I walk in to this house of somebody who's a little maybe richer than other people, and the person who's there to wash my feet, they're a fixture. They're an appliance. They're there to be used. Not strike up a conversation. Not say, hey, I'm so glad you're here today. Not say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here to wash my feet. Just here. And when that transaction is over, they move on. I am guilty of saying these words as I walk out of a store when I'm frustrated, when I'm in a hurry, when the person who's behind the counter is maybe having a good day and they want to strike up more of a conversation than I'm willing to have. Come on, somebody say, Kev, I'm with you. Somebody say, I've been there, man. And they're wanting to talk a little more and you're in a hurry and I walk out of the store and, and this, these are the words that I've said, you know, not loud enough for them to hear, but loud enough for, for me to <laughs> feel really stupid afterwards. I give you the merchandise. You tell me how much it is. I give you the money. You check me out. You put it in a bag. Transaction over. Right? How many can identify with that? Put it in the bag. Give it to me. Transaction over. I don't want to hear all that you have to say. No, I'm not having a good day. Thank you. How many are guilty of that? Hey, we want to be used of God. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a thing in the church. Those of you who, who maybe don't attend church regularly, maybe one of the reasons why you don't attend church is because you feel like there's a hierarchy. You feel like there are people jockeying for position. People, people want to be this or want to be that, and, you know, they, they try to act a certain way or do a certain thing to make them stand out, you know, look at me. 
and, and they're, they're wanting to be the leader of this or the leader of that or in charge of this or in charge of that. <laughs> out, of the, out of the population of people who do not attend church in our country, this is Barner Research, out of the giant number of people in, in this country who do not attend church, something like four out of 10 of those people don't attend church. It's a huge percentage, like 37, almost 40. That's like a huge percentage. I think the total percentage is like 37%. 37% of people who don't attend church do not because they were hurt by either the church organization or by somebody in the church. And then our response is, well, they just weren't willing to do what they're They have a problem. But the problem is ours because they don't have any desire to even be around us. Right? Because we don't model servanthood in the church. We don't model servant leadership in the church. We don't serve people. We say, come and serve us. And it's backwards. And it's not how God wants it. So I don't understand why we have a desire, church people, to look a certain way, to act a certain way. Have you been in that church and I'm, not, and I'm not naming any names and certainly not here in Boulder City because every church in Boulder City has got it all together. Amen, amen, right? But you've been in that church where you walk in and maybe they're dressed to the nines and you're not and they look at you and they start at your feet and they end at your neck and there's condescension or Maybe you, you did everything you could to just muster up the courage to even go there and no one pays attention to you and they're not seeming like they really give a rip that you're there. But when the music starts, and the offering comes by and they telegraph it. Almost like they're Michael Jordan from the back. Did everyone see that? I gave. Because I'm dressed really well and I give a lot of money. So therefore, the church should do what I say they should do or I'm gonna stop giving my money. Blah, 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 blah. And people who don't want anything to do with church see that kind of stuff and they use the word hypocrite because they see that person at pit stop still dressed to the nines, giving the waitress all kinds of crap. Can I say crap? I'm sorry. Giving the waitress all kinds of crap because their water didn't come with lemon or their fries were cold or she's not fast enough or whatever. And then when they leave, rather than leaving a tip, they leave a little gospel track. Ah, she needs Jesus. No, you need Jesus. You need to refresh your course 
of who Jesus was. Jesus was a servant. And we in the church have been called to serve. The vast majority of people who come to faith in Christ come through a personal relationship with another human being. Believe it or not, the majority of people that come to faith in Christ didn't go to a Billy Graham crusade. The majority of people who come to Christ aren't flipping channels and stop on Joel Osteen on a Saturday. The majority of people who come to Christ don't catch the Brian Houston show when they're up late, late at night. The majority of people who come to Christ don't go to a conference and hear a great word and say, yes, that's what I want to do. The majority, the vast majority of people who say, I want to trust Jesus with my life, have it modeled for them by someone who has taken the time to build a relationship with them. And though we had a big number of kids say yes to Jesus at our VBS last year, and I'm sure we'll have it again this year, again, the vast majority of people who come to faith in Jesus receive that faith because somebody said, I want to spend time with you. I care about you. I love you. I want to hear about what you're dealing with. I'm not going to judge you. I want to know about what life is like for you. I want to hear your problems. I want to hear your pain. I want to walk through that with you. I'm not going to listen so that I can respond. I'm going to listen so that I can listen. I'm going to be empathetic with you. I'm going to build a relationship with you. But instead, we, we do things like, you just need to go to the altar, brother. You know, speak in tongues and all this other stuff. That's good. It's not bad. But that's not what God wants to do. He wants to use us as individuals to love people, to serve people, to be there in the midst of their pain, to walk through it with them, to sit with them, to know that even though their eyes are not on Jesus, they can reach over and touch you and know that you are there. There are people who have walked through my life with me and have been there with me through the pain and the sorrow. One of them is my beautiful wife. And she has loved me unconditionally. And as I'm going through struggles and I'm going through pain, I can feel and know that she is there with me. There have been times we're both guilty where we get to the end, maybe, maybe one of us is feeling really bad and the other one's starting to feel bad and one's not strong and one is weak and we might say, are you almost done feeling this way? But then we realize that's not gonna help and we love each other through it. For the last almost eight years, this man has been at my side, either via the phone or physically by my side. And when I'm not doing well, I can expect to hear these words come out of his mouth. How are you doing today? And I know at that moment, I'm wearing something that he can see. Not everybody can see it, but he can see it. Why? Because he has a servant's heart and he wants to walk with me through the things that I'm going through. 
God uses people, loving, serving, kind-hearted people to reach the world he loves. There is a place for all the things that I spoke of earlier. We had a time of prayer down here. Every Monday after staff meeting, we come in this room and we intercede for you. We pray for the sick. We conduct spiritual warfare. We pray against the principalities, powers, and rulers in dark places that want to sift you and destroy you. We pray against those things. But here's what we spend most of our time doing. Loving one another well. Learning how to love one another well so that we can love other people well. And that's what God wants us to get today. The last thing he said, the most important thing that he said, the most important thing that he did was model, I am less and you are more. I am here to serve you, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, I alluded to it earlier, people walked, I have no shoes on, I'm not gonna take off my socks, that's just gross, you guys. But people walked, listen now, people walked through the city in their bare feet. And they walked throughout, and, or not bare feet, their sandals, and so dirt would accumulate on their feet every time they left the house. So if you were doing what you were doing, you know, Matthew 28 says, while you're doing what you're doing, make disciples. So if you were walking around doing what you were doing, if you had a, had a ministry or if you had a business, if you were a tent maker like Paul and you're, you're walking around doing your thing, how many know that your feet are gonna get dirty? Right? I mean, it's just, that's just part of it. So as, as people today, how many stay in your home all day and do nothing? Maybe a couple of us <laughs> in summertime for the teenagers, maybe. But for the most of us, we get up, we get out, and we go do stuff. And we, we encounter difficulty. Would you say that this week at some point, Martine, you encountered some difficulty at your job? Yeah. Martine's been dealing with some headaches this week. How many got up on Monday and got out and dealt with some stuff, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, and some stuff happened to you. Your feet got dirty. You see, see, Peter was confused. He's like, well, wash my whole body. You're already clean. I, I'm gonna go to the cross, it's done. You know who I am, it's done. So we're, we're not looking for to be clean and forgiven of our sins every day, because we've already done that through Jesus Christ. But how many know there's some stuff that gets on us? We maybe get in an argument with our spouse. We lose our temper with our children. We bang the steering wheel a little bit harder than we should because we're driving down 95 and we're freaking out. We're sick of the construction. Build the thing already. We're tired of the traffic coming into town. We, we, we may be brave Chick-fil-A this week. Oh my Lord. Did you see the line? Wow. It was delicious. Uh, hey, bro, pound it, man. Delicious. I don't know how they do it. They put an addictive chemical and it makes you crave it nightly. Anyway, 
But you got out and you did some stuff and you got some stuff on you. And then maybe you went home to someone who doesn't really give a rip about you. Come on. And the first thing out of the mouth is, what's your problem? Why are you mad? Oh, this is going to be another day like today, like yesterday. Or maybe you connected with somebody who's been a friend of yours, and the first thing out of their mouth is, what's wrong with you? Can, can you not be so upset? And what God is saying is that what he wants us to be is loving, kind-hearted servants to one another because we go out during the day and we get stuff on our feet. And Jesus wants us to say, this is a safe place where you can put up your foot and I'll wash it. So foot washing may look different for you. Foot washing for you may be just keeping your mouth shut about how negative you feel like the situation is. <laughs> Maybe foot washing for you is pushing through and doing something even though you don't feel like doing it. Maybe, maybe foot washing for you is saying that kind word even though you don't feel like saying that kind word because you've said a lot of kind words and you're sick and tired of saying kind words. <laughs> I remember being a camp cabin leader at Camp Cedar Crest and I was the head cabin leader. My wife and I were head cabin leaders and I remember walking around the, the camp frustrated because there was trash everywhere. All these kids, they don't pick up after themselves. What is wrong with these kids? There's candy wrappers everywhere. And then God's just like, pick up the candy wrappers, dude. They're going to be here for like three days. Just pick up the candy wrappers and shut up. So they started picking up candy wrappers. And what's amazing is when you begin to serve people with, not, with no desire for them to serve you back, God begins to just do something in your heart. Serving others adds value to them. When you're serving someone, you're giving them value. You're saying, you have value more than me. Just like that servant at the door, I'm here to wash your feet because you have more value than I do. That's a hard thing to do. Serving others God's way imposes no conditions and expects no reward. That's a good one to write down. Serving God's way imposes no conditions. Well, if you would just be nicer, then I'd be willing to do more for you. That's not God's way. Serving others God's way imposes no conditions and expects nothing in return. Well, then I'm out. Because that's too hard. And then he fin finishes up in John 13, 17, and he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We come to church and we hear about feet washing, we hear about serving, we hear about discipleship, we hear about loving people, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the the outcome of a life committed to Jesus. We hear our things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We hear it. We go into the room. We hear a message. We hear about being loving and kind and all these things. And then we just, I do it. 
But Jesus said, blessed are you if you hear these things and then you do them. So I'm going to give us a little exercise. One of the things I love to do when I'm in a situation like this, if I hear something that I want to apply to my life, I reach up and I grab it and I pull it down and I put it in me. Try it if you want. You don't have to, but try it if you want. Jesus wants you to be the servant of all. Jesus wants you to be kind. <clears throat> Jesus wants you to be tender-hearted. <laughs> Todd, no catching and putting them in your wife's heart. <laughs> That's against the rules. <laughs> Only Todd, man. <laughs> Only Todd. <laughs> Yeah, honey, you need that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Father, forgive Todd, Lord. He doesn't know what he does. <laughs> but remember when he talked to Peter in the beginning? He says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but eventually you will. And when the Holy Spirit came not too long later, when the Holy Spirit poured himself out onto the church, God dwelled inside of us and enabled us to be able to love like Jesus because the Spirit of God is living within us. And that's the key. You're not going to be able to do any of this stuff right or well without the Spirit of the living God living within you. And so Jesus says to you today, receive my spirit. Open yourself up to me. Say yes to a relationship with me and watch me pour myself out. And as you do that, it won't be about the position you take. It won't be about the great things you do. It'll be about becoming the servant of all because that's who Jesus is. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, right now in your heart, just say yes, Jesus, yes. On that card, that welcome card, check the box. It says, I said yes to Jesus, and put it in the prayer box in the lobby or give it to one of those who are up here praying. But don't leave this place if the Holy Spirit is saying, say yes to me. Don't leave this place without saying yes. And if you have the living God living within you, remember the most important thing he wanted us to know before he died on the cross was to humble yourself so low that you were the least of the least of the least and to serve and wash the feet of your neighbor and the people whom God has sent your way. Anything else is religion. This is where it starts and ends, serving and loving one another. That's who God's called us to be. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would walk out of this room changed, 
that we would see that everything else pales in comparison, Lord. Of God to live through me to touch people's lives by serving them is what it's all about. So, Lord, may we do that. Show us how. Show us, Lord. Open up our minds right now. What is feet washing to us? What is an act? What is a word? What is it, Lord God, for me, the thing that I hate the most, the thing that makes me cringe, the things that I don't want to do? Lord, what are they for me as an individual? Reveal it to me, Lord God. Reveal it to us so that we can begin to take our humble position as a servant and change the world around us. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, say it if you know it, it shall prosper. God bless you guys. Have the best week ever. Thank you for visiting with us today. For me to live this crowd